Silent scan. Silent scan. Bombs and bits. You can't control us. Bombs and bits. A frightening dystopia. Bombs and bits. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Open your eyes. Bombs and bits. An alternate reality. <laughs> we begin as wanderers, and we are wanderers still. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Bombs and Bands with John, Mark, and the Misses. I'm John, and with me, as always, is Mark. Hello. And the Misses. Hello there. Oh, you're not going to let me say hello? Oh, my God. <laughs> just sounded like the, the romance is dead. <laughs> just sounded like the noises you normally make when other people are talking. <laughs> All right. That was me yawning in the okay. background. Yeah, I'm sorry yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Up first on this episode, I will tackle... UFOs. In the article from the debrief.com, fast movers and transmedium vehicles. And no transmedium is not what you think. Then we'll turn it over to the missus with the very sad titled article, No More Cakes and Ale from the pipeline.org by David Solway. See, in that time I was yawning during the introduction of my own segment. Yes. So that's acceptable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and finishing off, we'll go to Mark with his article from Intellectual Takeout, Death by Government by Bradley Berzer, who appears to be their only author. And I won't yawn during Mark's intro because I like Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. And we have a sponsor. <gasps> who could it possibly be? I what? mean, we've already had my dream of SpaceX. And I got to say, riding on SpaceX on the wing, exhilarating the wind in your hair to die for. And next uh, next time, we'll see if we can't save up and get you inside the space. <laughs> Um, Only if I stop yawning during the podcast. Yes. <laughs> At least you're smiling. You're grumpy before the podcast. Well, our sponsor this week is preppersonly.com. And we'll have one other segment. 43 seconds inside the mind of AOC. That young woman has a mind like a steel trap full of mice. All right. Well, first, it's me. And it's aliens. It's aliens. South of the border aliens? No, these would be, well, I don't know. If Mexico has a advanced UFO program, we may be in trouble. It would explain the lack of ability to take pictures of all of that. So maybe they're not saucers, they're, they're sombreros? Hi, <laughs> <laughs> <Ay>, caramba. <laughs> all of these alien stories that we're seeing come out right now come back to the corona relief bill. Not the most recent one, but one of Trump's corona relief bills. What are we up to? 50, 100 trillion dollars by this point? I've lost count. They're up to 100 trillion a week. So, uh, no, this Corona Relief Bill established a task force that will produce a report that's due to be released unclassified by June 1. So that means on the last day of May that the, the folks at the Pentagon will be hurriedly behind the computer typing up their report. Yes. <laughs> at that, midnight. <laughs> and they'll be uh, just like uh, every uh, good student. They'll be uh, lifting chunks of Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We, we cut and paste Wikipedia. It will turn in that report. Like, apparently we've been taken over by Canada <laughs> at the Pentagon. Um, I knew there was something fishy about that tourism board commercial. So the article's from thedebrief.com. Not, you know, debrief.com, but thedebrief.com. And it's fast movers and transmedium vehicles. And fast movers means 
aerial phenomenon that's moving a lot faster than we can really explain. I picked up several different points. You know, again, this is this is an article that didn't have a, a tremendous amount of conclusion to it. It's just kind of a, a big background piece. Apparently, there's some pretty significant photos that have yet to be released, including, and this one was the one that kind of cracked me up, personal cell phone photos that an F-16 pilot took of a hovering cube at 35,000 feet. I'm worried about, you know, changing songs on my phone while I'm driving on the highway and this guy was in a fighter jet. And he was making personal calls at work. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, honey, guess where I am right now? <laughs> Aliens, I see them. Trust me, the avionics are so good on those planes that they can pretty much fly the plane by. The plane can fly itself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I don't think there was any real risk, but just again, the fact that he's. No, it's funny. I, I don't know why, for security reasons, why they would allow him that. Right. Phones up there, but yeah, it, yeah, because it's you know pinging back his location, and I can just see Google Maps. His Google Maps. Did you enjoy bombing Baghdad? <laughs> rate rate <laughs> this bombing experience one to five stars. Well, I guess in in the pilot's defense, he doesn't have to worry about getting broadsided by a minivan doing carpool. So yeah, that's true. Although there was the hovering cube at thirty five thousand feet, which he did not expect. <laughs> he, he did not expect. <laughs> So that's the first thing I, I picked up again, that fighter pilots are so bored at work that they're, they're surfing Facebook too, right? <laughs> Maybe it's not the glamour job we thought it was. <laughs> the other thing is transmedium vehicles. Those are not planes that identify as locomotives. It's close. These are vehicles that can operate in either water or air. It's it not, sounds that way to me. Yes. No, <laughs> but they're not locomotives. Oh, okay. That's the important part. They're, they're submarines and airplanes. Okay. Is is it a floor? Is you got to have some standard. Is it a floor topping? I'm sorry. Is it a floor cleaner or is it a dessert topping? <laughs> I think it's a floor topping. It's a floor <laughs> topping. It's new shimmer. It's both. Submarines apparently have seen some incredibly fast moving targets. So they're thinking that these might be the same phenomenon. Phenomena. Multiple things that are a phenomenon. Phenomena. Phenomena. Okay, I'm better now. So they've seen these targets, the submarines have, and apparently they've also seen them transitioning from... Okay. They really need a better name than transmedium vehicles. But they've seen them transitioning from water-based to air-based locomotion. So anyway... So let me get this straight. They... They, they came out of the water? <laughs> they, they came out as airplanes, yes. I thought back to uh, during the Clinton years when they did the whole Roswell revealed uh, report. At that time, I recall a friend of mine confided in me that he had seen really many flying saucer. Now, that's a bad thing. I mean, it happens when you're a clumsy waiter. <laughs> and we know that there's a difference between Scientology and ancient aliens. One is an alien-based pyramid scheme, and the other is a pyramid-based alien scheme. My question is this. What do you two think that we'll see here? Do you think that there is going to be anything real show up in that June report, or is it going to be, oh, yeah, that's uh, a blurry picture. It could be, yeah. Eh. What, what do you guys think? Well, I think it's going to be more of the same. We're going to get uh unverified reports and a few fuzzy pictures and that's it there's not there's not going to be any anything definitive in it so you're saying it's going to be exactly like the lewinsky affair affair ordeal <laughs> kerfuffle yes shebang <laughs> oh you shebang <laughs> well builded <laughs> uh what, what do you think what do you think's a show 
I would think that it has already possibly shown up and it was on that weekend that uh, Prince Harry and his uh, wife did mm-hmm. that interview with Oprah and so nobody noticed. Mm-hmm. Do I hear the sound of drinking somewhere in the background? <laughs> Is Nancy Pelosi around here someplace? <laughs> no, that's from last week. Oh, right. That's right. As long as she doesn't burn down our kitchen, I'm okay with it. <laughs> no, but actually, you know, I really thought this article needed more pictures. If they were talking about pictures of aliens, we should have seen a few more. Mm-hmm. And it was a really long article, too. Now, the one picture I did like that they had in there was the picture of Vice Admirable. Uh, Admirable. Admirable. <sighs> it's been a long Vice day. Adorable. He is Vice Adorable. It's a tarp. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Burke holding his giant invisible beach ball. I'm just going to go stand in the corner now because clearly I cannot... I'm just gonna go. Bye. That's it. I'm no, out of here. No, you're not. No, you still got your. You still have your segment. Now you got the dogs going. <laughs> Are you twelve? Tonight, I think I am. Every potentially dirty joke you make, I laugh at. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so, so what do you really think we'll see? I don't think we'll see anything. I'm kind of with Mark on that. Same old, same old. We get these stories every now and year. Didn't like a year or so ago, they came up with some story that they had indeed discovered life on Mars. I mean, literally life on Mars, microscopic life. And it was just like, nothing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm I'm with you. I agree. It's probably this report is going to be a big bag of nothing. But we've got to go to our sponsor. And in keeping with the theme of both our sponsor, preppersonly.com, and aliens, I've got to ask this question. What do rural aliens use to abduct people? Got me. A tractor beam. That was terrible. Yes. Worst one yet. (laughs) And on to preppers. And you've told some real stinkers. But that is is how they get those cows. So, I mean, maybe that makes sense. You know, pull the cows up into the air. And one one could say that once the aliens have taken enough cows, they'll reach the tipping point. <laughs> She's gonna... play, play the commercial, please. Otherwise, she'll kill me. Hey, everybody. Where's Jill? She's really lonely. She's been out counting her dehydrated food packets again. Do you think Dave will ever find his true love who is preparing for the end of the world, too? Not hanging out with us all day. Right. We used to be lonely. Until we met on Preppers Only. Preppersonly.com is the new online dating site for preppers, survivalists, and good old warlords-to-be. Future victims just don't get it. You don't have to be lonely at Preppersonly.com. Wow. Who knew that there were so many uses for chapstick? And duct tape. Yes. Now we'll but turn- I've said too much. You have said probably far too <laughs> much. Now I'm going to turn it over to the missus, uh, who has the very sad title of No More Cakes and Ale from the thepipeline.org by David Solway. And I'll, I'll say, after I read the article, I like the cut of his jib. Do you really? Because I want to start it off, start off by saying that David Solway is Canadian. Eh? Yeah. So there are those cultural differences between him and us Americans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I also think there are differences between those of us here in America. And I think that difference primarily is between rural and urban folk here in the States. I'll get more to that in a minute. So hold on to that thought. Uh, just just let you uh, know, because there aren't cameras here. She has six and a half pages of written notes. Good heavens. Okay. So Solway claims in this article, uses various other writers to back up his contentions, that the post-COVID world is never going to be the same as it was before. 
And furthermore, that lots and lots of people just don't care. That many people don't long, no longer have any faith in the ideas and institutions that are the foundation of Western thought and civilization. And he quotes another writer by the name of Joel Kotkin. Links are in the original article. A civilization can survive only if its members believe in its basic values. And his contention is, is that so many people have just given up on mm -hmm. those basic values. What plates? Yeah, I'm being serious. I'm just going to, you go stand in the corner now. Well, no, again, a society without plates is a pure dystopia. Uh, and we get remember, uh, remember, we're bantering here. I know. The headache I have now. <laughs> so here's what worries me about what Solway writes. I think he's right, but I think he's only half right. Going back to the whole urban rural dweller thing. I think that is where our split really is. So here in rural case where we live, things have been pretty much back to normal since June of last year, for the most part. The places where it isn't about 90% normal, which is where things really kind of are, are places under the thumb of the state. And those are schools and government offices. Now in the cities, even here in Kansas, that's not the case. What? Kansas is a big fucking state. <laughs> Okay, everyone knows Mark lives in Boise. Yes. <laughs> but only there Mark. are more people in Kansas than there are in Boise. Yes. <laughs> Trust me, I have my reasons. All right, whatever. <laughs> so in the largest you're, city... You're enjoying this part and it's not going to make it to the final. <laughs> he says that like he has any control over how I edit it. You never even listen to it until after I render it. I do. It. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, since I'm going to have to go back and cut all of this out since you won't shut up so the schools in the biggest city in the state have really only recently gotten back to in-person learning and even that is not full-time they're just part-time here we've been full-time in person since august i personally don't wear a mask in public and i never have this entire time i only wear one when i have to go into pugsley school and that's the only place and that's the split that i mean between rural and urban it looks like it's red versus blue and that might be part of it but it's more like city versus country. And I may be wrong about that. So if you think I am, you feel that way, feel free to tell me in the comments. Well, and, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that, uh, and I hope I don't step on you know, a later comment. Um, he quotes Charles Murray in Coming Apart, and he talks about weak social capital, where the small daily pleasures of friendly exchange with neighbors and storekeepers dry up. And that's not the case here. Right. I mean, I walk into a store and I see the guy who owns the restaurant and he says, hey, how are you doing? Why don't you come bring uh, the missus and come on over and we'll have a cocktail. And you're right. You know, it just feels like to me that those of us out here in the sticks, us deplorables, demanded our freedom. And for the most part, we got it. And quality of life hasn't de declined. No. What, what, what do you think uh, from your vantage point, Mark? So Boise is currently under the regime of a very leftist uh, Portlandia type mayor who has kept the mask mandate in place. Even though the surrounding communities don't necessarily have that mandate, everyone's just sort of following it, especially the businesses. And so there, there is this sort of irritation of going in everywhere and having to wear a mask. The only blessing we have is that nobody wears them outside or, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but you know, probably about 90% of the people of people don't wear them outside. So, you know, if you're out walking or whatever, and 
and Boise has lots of nice trails and parks and stuff like that. You know, you're, you've still got it pretty normal, but it is irritating going in. Some of the schools are only just barely opening up in this area. On the bright side, the legislature is uh, looking at passing a law that, you know, if the governor signs it, that will totally eliminate the ability of local governments to impose mask mandates or anything like that. What, what, what do you think <laughs> about the, 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 the concept of social capital? I mean, in, in dealing with those around you, is it pleasurable? I mean, do you see people you know? Is it as good as we describe living here? You know, for me, it hasn't changed much because, you know, I, I go to work. And I go into my office and I just plug away all day at my office stuff and that's it. But you know, I mean, for my wife, it's, it's made a, a major, major changes on getting together with people or, you know, meeting with friends and going out to get something, uh, a bite to eat or, or whatever. I mean, there's still a lot of people around here that are paranoid about getting it. I, I don't, I mean, the population really seems to be split between those that are absolutely paranoid and those that think it's, you know, really nothing more than a little bit more severe flu. You know, one thing I will say is, like us with our church, we're still mostly attending church via uh, Zoom links and not actually being able to meet and do things with people. There's, they don't have the activities. The kids don't have the, the church activities that they normally would have gone to. Since that plays such an important role in our lives as far as social interaction, uh, you know, having church basically gone, except for video, you know, it's, it really has impacted uh, the social cohesion and, and so forth. So um, I had another quote I wanted to pull from the article. For example, Toronto Star columnist Thomas Walcom warns with a sort of delinquent glee that the vaccines cannot keep up with viral mutations and that we must accustom ourselves to a future of permanent change in which we'll no longer be able to visit hair salons or eat in restaurants. Walcom almost seems to revel in the prospect. Such amenities, the objects of his focus, which he is sacrificially ready to do without, will be a thing of the past. And, it, you know, again, it sounds like he is marching us down the road towards dystopia. And I, just, for one, am just upset that I think it's a sad commentary that in this modern world, a family can be torn apart by such a simple thing as a pack of wild dogs. <laughs> oh, that was a bloody, terrible joke. <laughs> it was awful. If I can add something sort of in all seriousness, you know, I think one of the biggest tragedies we're, we're probably going to see come out of this is that the government's reaction has been so over the top relative to the actual risk that, uh, you know, we, we've seen, literally we've seen governments and I hopefully you won't have to bleep this, but uh, we've seen governments blow their wad literally on this. There is nothing left. Well, yeah. uh, if we get hit with some other major disaster or upheaval or something, there's no resources to fall back on. They've burned people's trust as well. I mean, you know, Fauci may think that it's funny to, you know, that, oh yeah, I lied to the public multiple times, but you know, last, the public doesn't. Last year, the government took in as taxes 57% of what it's been out. That means that 43, 43% of the money the government spent last year, it just printed. Yeah. Well, and here's, here's something, you know, I mean, you know, I have no idea what's, what's coming down the, the pike at us, but you know, what if we get something actually really dangerous out there, not the China virus, but I mean, something really dangerous coming down the way. I mean, it can always show up and they've totally ruined any chances of controlling it. 
Or what if we get something that's really fatal? You know, the survival rate for this, you know, even for middle-aged folks like me is what? 99.95%? Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's 2% of the people dying. That's a large number of people, but yeah, but we've been watching this thing about the black plague and the mortality mm-hmm. rate on that. If you got the strain that wasn't so deadly was between 85 and 90% mm-hmm. fatal. Well, tell you what, we got more gloom and doom to come, but let's go. Let's so- not waste it all now. <laughs> let's not waste it all now. Let's go to someplace equally dusty, dark and gloomy. The mind of AOC with 43 seconds inside the mind of AOC. And now it's time for 43 seconds inside the head of AOC. Work has been so stressful lately. I mean, I'm not much of a drinker, but I did stop by the local watering hole on my way home last week. I bought a couple of drinks and with each one, the bartender leaned over and licked my neck. When someone asked me about it, I said, well, duh, it's the law. He does have a liquor license. Some people are just so ignorant. Speaking of which, Speaker Pelosi and I visited the Suez Canal last week so we could see the crisis for ourselves. Nance and I, that's what the speaker said I could call her. We have become such good friends, she's almost my bestie. Nance and I went to look at the big boat. She went on one side of the canal and I went on the other. As we were inspecting the problem, Nance called to me, Corky! Because that's what she calls me. She said, Corky, come help me. I need to get to the other side. And I replied, Nance, you are on the other side. And then she slammed a quart of vodka. This has been 43 Seconds Inside the Head of AOC. Wow. I thought our stories were dark, but inside that girl's mind, it's really dark. Chilly. Chilly. All right. This finally takes us to Mark and his article from Intellectual Takeout, Death by Government by Bradley Berzer. Beiser. It's D-I-Z-E-R. <laughs> it's not Kaiser. It's in the description. Pfizer. Anyway. Um, and fortunately, I wrote an article about just this, this topic uh, some time ago, so I didn't have to do any joke research. So take it away, Mark. All right. So the article is Death by Government. And Mr. Berzer says that death by government is the primary fact of the 20th century. He doesn't go into a lot of detail on the different horrors that various communist governments and socialist governments have uh, wrought on our world. But it, it is interesting that, you know, government's been the number one cause of unnatural death in the 20th century. And not by a little bit, but by a lot. And he and gives it, an example. I've got one. And, and this, was, this is one I wrote about. In August of 1942, there were about a million civilians in Stalingrad. Nothing ever happened in Stalingrad, right? Yeah. No, no, no. They were a million inhabitants. And when I talk about inhabitants, civilians. The Germans were there, but Stalin said, no, no civilians are allowed to evacuate. The army will fight harder if they're protecting those civilians. At the end of July 1942, Stalingrad was less than a nine-hour stroll from the German positions. When the Germans came and, and bombed Stalingrad, I mean, 
yeah, they were German bombs dropping, but those those lives were on Stalin, and he did it intentionally. He killed civilians intentionally. And I'm, I'm sorry for jumping over you, but I find that hard to believe for a guy who's as nice as Joseph Stalin. Well, here's here's a story of I heard he was well loved by the people, well, but they it, would just applaud him until they drop because well, he was so popular. Well, it, here this is a story uh, from the Party Congress. Someone sneezed while Stalin was giving a speech, and Stalin said, "Who sneezed?" Silence. First row on your feet, shoot him. They're shot. Then he says, who's these comrades? No answer. Second row on your feet, shoot them. Then the second row shot. Well, who sneezed? And finally a sobbing, crying guy says, it was me, it was me. Stalin says, bless you. And continues the speech. <laughs> Your example is very apropos, but the scary part is, is those statistics fall within the uh, statistics of people killed due to warfare. Right. One thing that this article makes a point of is that, quote, war only accounted for about 20% of the unnatural deaths of the previous century. Four times the number of persons were murdered by their governments and killed in warfare between 1914 and 1991. Close quote. You know, he's talking about these not only concentration camps, gulags, you know, the government post famines, the killing fields, those types of things are what he's talking about. And he quotes from a, another his article, the title, but actually comes from a book called Death by Government by R.J. Rummel. Rummel thought that the word genocide was too tame. And instead, he used the word democide, which he defined as the murder of any person or people by a government, including genocide, politicide, mass murder. He's not the only one. I mean, there's uh, I came across a statement in Stephen Pinker's book, Better Angels of Our Nature, which talks generally about how violence has declined. But talking about the 20, the first half of the 20th century with all the murders and so forth, or not murders, I mean the wars. And he quoted a guy called Matthew White that called that period of time the hemoclism, translated as blood flood. Ugh. We don't even really know the extent of it because, for instance, I've seen with the China's famines that came under the Mao's attempt to thrust them into the 20th century and modernism or whatever. You know, I've seen estimates for the dead from those famines range everywhere from the mid 20 million up to 80 million. Yes, especially the Cultural Revolution. No one has even a remote idea. They don't even have a remote guess, and they know it was an incredibly bloody time. I would love to hand a copy of this article to everybody out there that agrees with gun control. Because the truth is the biggest enemy that governments have. Well, on that note, we'll be back next week with another edition of Bombs and Bants. And thank you for listening. I'm John. I'm Mark. And I'm the missus. Take care. Y'all come back now, you hear?